we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello everybody, this is Gregory. And welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man. Today we're going to go down the road of religion. And some of you will be like, Gregory, oh my god, you're talking about religion. Taboo topic, taboo topic. Well, uh, it's my channel, so I could decide what we talk about when we talk about religion. I think religion's important. Now, some people are like, oh, oh, church, all they do is tithe and take money and build mansions. <laughs> Have you ever seen the HBO show, The Righteous Gemstones? You know, they kind of make fun of the megachurches, the, the Joel Olstein types. And uh, certainly, I'm not saying that. Look, I'm, I'm, look. Today is about talking about the power of prayer or, or why prayer is good for men. I'm not necessarily saying that you need to go to a mega church and listen to the rock and the guitar and the bass and all this. Or, you know. I go to a Catholic church. I, I go to a very traditional parish, Gregorian chants, Latin mass. And even there, you know, I, I know there's like mega churches, Mormon churches where they track your attendance. They track your tithing. Catholic churches, nah. I mean, you can just go there. Nobody knows you. There's very little fellowship because it's all about the Mass. It's all about the Eucharist. It's about receiving the graces that come from the Eucharist. So people don't care who you are. They're not tracking you. You don't even have to give any money. But in general, I'm talking about more of the power of prayer because, look, MGTOW is all about pursuing excellence and optimizing yourself and making the best man you can be on all aspects. So we have, of course, tons of videos on the health aspects. We have tons of videos on purging toxins from your life. And no, not just women, but, but purging environmental toxins and so forth. We talk about financial health, how that's crucial. We talk about purging your demons. That's crucial as well. So one of the components to me is religious life because I feel like the power of prayer can ameliorate your life and it can give you perspective so i'm just going to give you some insight as to why i think prayer is important how prayer helps me so one thing is that prayer grounds me it, it grounds me in that i have this book which is roughly three thousand to two thousand years old depending if you're reading the old the ot or the nt but you're looking at a thousand-year-old book that has pearls of wisdom. If you if you go to to Proverbs, I mean Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. You even look out of these books. It's a book of Psalms. These, these go go read <laughs> go read Ecclesiastes. There's a lot of MGTOW sentiment there, but it's just a lot of common day tips that you'd be surprised that were written by you know allegedly Solomon or or, or David uh, three thousand years ago. But certainly you can go to the New Testament. And especially if you go to like the Gospel of Matthew, if you go to the Beatitudes, like chapter 5, chapter 6, where he talks about why you shouldn't be anxious, why you shouldn't be nervous, uh, how to treat your enemies, and so forth. I think there's a lot of very great insight. And reading these books, I think, 
reminds you, and religion reminds you, that there are absolute truths, there are objective truths. So we live in the world of postmodernism. We've been in postmodernism at least 40 years, and the postmodernist will tell you that there are no absolute truths, and there is moral relativism. What is good for you is your truth. What's good for me is my truth. So there's no objective truths like you shouldn't kill. You know, you shouldn't rape, you shouldn't steal. It's like, well, it all depends. It's situational ethics. We hear that term quite a bit. Situ it really depends. Now, look, thou shalt not murder is different than self-defense. Okay, we know that. That's natural law. We've had that civil law as well. We know that. But in postmodernist world, of course, they've thrown out religion because it's a postmodernist world. And I mean, they'll tell you that there's no objective truth. And I think being a Christian and praying and knowing the tenets of your faith remind you that there are absolute it's, it's absolute truths. It's not the ten suggestions. And think about it. If we followed the Ten Commandments, imagine the society we live in. Can't steal, can't kill, can't lie, can't fornicate. Sex is only in the confines of marriage. Oh, I know that's a MGTOW thing, but come on. If you're religious, you can only be, be MGTOW or be married to get the blessings of a sacramental marriage. Everything else is fornication. Let's be real. But if everybody followed the Ten Commandments strictly, we would have this, like, the Walton's utopia world. And, of course, since the fall of Adam, we don't have that because sin was introduced into the world. But if we strove to follow the Ten Commandments the best we could, society and all would be better. Right? We'd have less inner-city crime. We'd have less illegitimacy rate issues uh, in addition to just the, the common day-in seven deadly sins of, of envy and greed and raging and all these things like this. So I think reading the good book and praying humbles you and it, and, and it grounds you. It grounds you to realize that there's 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 more worldly, or not worldly, there's more important, greater themes in the world and in life uh, than the postmodernist trash that we're, we're, the milieu that we're in. I think it humbles you as well. You know, when you, when you pray, it, it keeps you grounded because I think if you try to follow the teachings of Christ and the Ten Commandments and, and try to do good works and, and you know, try to attend Mass and be respectful to your parents and your elders and, and try not to steal and embezzle and all these things, um, I think it makes you just a better person. It makes you a better person. Now, guilt is connected to this to a certain extent. See, guilt is a reminder to you that you're doing something wrong if you have an informed conscience. If you don't have an informed conscience, because it was never created when you were a youth or you have antisocial personality disorder, you know, the, the serial killers don't have a conscience at all, then uh, you might not have guilt. So if, if it's a, a good, well-informed conscience, then guilt, anytime you feel guilty about something, that is your, your mind and your heart telling you maybe you did something wrong. So there's nothing wrong with guilt. The problem with too much guilt is that's what we call scrupulosity. These are the type of people who go to confession every day because, uh, uh, you know, I thought, I thought one for one second that my mom, uh, you know, was mean, so I had a mean thought about her. You know, it's like they go in for a thousand little cuts. So you don't want scrupulosity, but at the same time, guilt is good for you. Guilt is a reminder of maybe things that you've done wrong, and it's okay to do wrong because we're human, but we have to forgive. And see, these are things that you learn, let's say, in the gospel, right? You, it teaches like, the Beatitudes, how you have to forgive people. Can't 
hate your enemies, forgive your enemies. In this case, let's say, forget your, forgive your ex-wife. How can you expect Christ to forgive you of your sins because you're not perfect if you can't forgive others? And he says that clearly. I will not forgive you if you are not forgiving of others. Blessed be the merciful, for they shall, they shall get mercy. Forgive 70 times 7. It's easy to, to, to love your friends. You must love your enemies. So, I mean, these are guidelines and tips that are, that are in the Bible that if you try to follow them, at least they give you perspective and they kind of give you this, this humility and this, it kind of grounds you. I think it also gives you perspective, religion does, that the whole world isn't, or your whole life, I should say, is not pursuit of riches. And if you're an atheist and you have no fear of God or no fear of the afterlife, then ultimately what happens is you definitely become a moral relativist. But then it's like life is about what? Pursuit of your own goals, your own means, at whatever extent, at whatever cause, whatever whatever reasoning, because there's no afterlife. So why not cheat? Why not embezzle? Why not steal? Aside from being caught by the cops, why not seduce married women? You know, why not do these things? Because it's all about me, 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 me. Because I'm like, eh, I'm not going to go to hell. There's no worry about it because I don't believe in hell. I think being a prayerful Christian, or if you're Muslim, you could say that here, I think it gives you perspective. I think it gives you perspective that, and Christ reminds you all the time in, in the Gospels about this. You can't have two masters. Those who pursue uh, riches for the sake of everything else will lose their soul. I mean, you, you, you see these, these kind of sayings that what we have here and the pursuit of here on earth is a glitch in our life. It's a moment in our life, and our soul will be in eternity, either in heaven or hell. So if your whole life now is all about the pursuit of money, the pursuit of hedonism, pleasurable pleasures, you know, carnal pleasures, first of all, it's an empty life because it's not going to give you any meaning and fullness. And secondly, you're endangering your soul possibly, and then you'll burn in hell so i think that's a good reminder too it's like and, th and this is one of the, the 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 blessings of what christianity was throughout the middle ages and the renaissance and really up until the, the 20th century when the decline of christianity came in modernist thought postmodernist thought cultural marxism came in all these things to undermine christianity was the have-nots could focus on heaven. So what I mean is this. Think of, I don't know, uh, 10th century France, right? So we have the serfs and we have the lords. The lords were the ones that lived in the castles and the manors, and for the time, you know, had pretty, they, they had the, the, the better amenities. Even though if you look back now, the, the amenities were horrible. But they had amenities. And the serfs, and I'll be it. Serfs were not slaves. Serfs had their own little house. They got to reap their their own uh, you know, their, their own uh, plantation stuff. They had a hundred days off, all the religious holidays back then. But they thought, okay, look, I can read the story of Lazarus, the rich man. I can read, or you know, back then they didn't read, but they were taught this by the priests, and that's why we had stained glass in churches because that's how we used to teach things was through the pictures of stained glass. But they could say, okay, look, I know I don't have this. I don't have the riches. I don't have this. But 
in the gospel and in church teaching, we know, you know blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. And so they would take comfort knowing, okay, our life right now is tough. There's a lot of death, rape, pestilence, all these things. But if we try to live a good life, we'll have eternity with Christ and we'll, we'll be in the beatific vision and we'll, and we'll, we'll be with him in, that, in, in the paradise that is heaven. And so that was that. That's what would give them consolation. And so, yeah, there's be a certain amount of envy of the the lords because they had this life, but they could read in the gospel. It's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. And so they would kind of understand that. And that that's what would get them through a very tough, albeit sometimes short life, is the prospect of going to heaven. Now, when the rich would read the Gospels, they have, of course, and, and the rich today who are, who are Christians have their own problems because it's true. The more money you have, and this is the studies prove it, the more money you have, the less religious you tend to be because you now you are serving mammon and not serving Christ. The temptations of the pleasures of this life are so strong, and it's very, very hard. But those rich Christians who read the Gospels and listen to sermons and listen, read, you know, sacred tradition or whatever, will understand that it's 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 their own unique challenge to be very wealthy and to follow a good Christian life. And some people are able to do it, but then you have some people like the Righteous Gemstones who have mansions and and they, they embezzle and they're fraudulent and all these things like this. And this is the problem with wealth. So in some ways, you don't want to be wealthy but nowadays, since we're in a postmodernist world and we're not really in a Christian milieu anymore, envy is super strong because now the poor fall victim to cultural Marxism. You're poor because you're getting exploited by the rich white man or whatever it is. And it's all blame, blame, blame instead of maybe, you know, you made poor choices or poor accountability. So now the poor don't necessarily have the, you know, I know this is a tough life, but if I if I stick to the, the teachings and pray, I'll reach heaven. So now we have the, this is one of the, the the problems with not living in a post living in a post Christian world. But it would give you perspective and it would give you it would give you hope. So if you are struggling with an addiction, if you're an alcoholic, if you're a drug addict, if you just got post divorce fleeced or or whatever, you suffer from depression, prayer guides you and grounds you and helps you and humbles you because there's constant reminders that if you are repentant of your sins and we all sin right the church is not a hot it's not a sorry a museum for saints it's a hospital for sinners we all sin and church helps us prayer helps us and it reminds us yes it's a tough time right now but if i if i pray and i try to follow the commandments and i and i follow christ the best that i can because we're not perfect then I have a chance to get it to heaven when this time expires, whenever this time expires. And I think that's one of the other benefits of religion, where if, if you don't have religion, if you are an atheist, I feel that life would be pretty empty because you're thinking, okay, well, when I die, I go to annihilation or I fall asleep or whatever you want to believe. So I might as well just live it up, right? But I think there's also, a, but, but next to a combination of hedonism, there's also a combination of hopelessness and depression because, like, why are we here? What's the meaning of life? So you understand, for hundreds of years, at least the, the, the catechism, which is the book of the Catholic Church, on the question of what is the meaning of life, it was very easily answered. It was to know the Lord, love the Lord, and serve the Lord. Okay? It's very simple. Know, love, serve Him. Be the best you can be. Be the best human you can be. Be the best Christian you can be. Try to follow the commandments. Try to follow the teachings of Christ. That's the meaning of life. And then if we can do that, 
then we can go to paradise. But when you don't have that paradigm in your life and you're raised an atheist, agnostic, your agnostics are almost always worse than atheists because they're like, yeah, yeah, maybe there's a God. I don't know. I'm just going to watch Netflix. You know, there's no, there's no pursuit of knowledge of it. At least with the atheists, you can respect them by saying there's no God, even though, of course, there's no proof that there's no God, right? But, you know, that's, it's their own religion. But either way, being a Christian, especially for struggling with whatever you're struggling with right now, helps. It helps. Turn to the good book. Pray. And it doesn't have to be a formal prayer. It can be, God, thank you for giving me the ability to walk without pain, to breathe without pain. It can be the basic things that we take for granted every day. Yeah, you might not be the, the healthiest dude. You might not be the richest dude, but thank you for my apartment. Thank you for my, you know, the fact that I can eat. And go to Matthew 5, where he talks about the birds and anxiety, right? Do the birds worry about where they're going to be uh, fed or clothed? No. How does worrying make your life better? You know, Jesus has this great insight into anxiety and depression in Matthew 5. And I think... Instead of focusing, oh, I don't have the sports car, I don't make 150k, I don't, you know, da, 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 I don't have a woman in my life. Those are things not to focus on. I think the better thing to focus on is gratitude. Sure, have your prayers of petition, ask, ask Christ for stuff. But I think a better prayer is gratitude. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my children. I wish I could see them more, but thank you for them. Thank you for the ability to to eat without pain to walk without pain, to have a job, to have an apartment, just be grateful, 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 grateful. And then you can say, please, you know, if I can, you know, help me have more kids or help me have more security and finances or whatever your problem is. But pray, pray. There's no harm in praying. In closing, there's no harm in praying. It's like taking high-dose vitamin C. It doesn't hurt your health. It can only help. So do it. Do it. And the last thing I want to talk about is Pascal's wager. So Pascal was a, a 17th century mathematician, scientist, and he came up with this wager called the Pascal's Wager. And you can just look this up. So he said, okay, if you truly believe in there is no God, wager your soul on it. So in very short, kind of succinct revision of what Pascal's Wager is, is this. Christians. There's a, there is certainly a certain element of faith to be a Christian. It's not like angels and Jesus Christ and Mary are appearing to you all the time. Now, we can look at the laws of physics. We can look at the intricacy of the human body. We can look at the uncaused cause, all these arguments for the existence of a higher God. But just as atheists can't prove that there is no God, Christians have to admit that there is no at least visible proof of a God. There's a certain amount of faith, right? Jesus tells that to St. Thomas when Thomas doesn't believe after he's been resurrected. You know, you put, you put your hands in my wound. And then Thomas says, oh, my Lord and my God, I'm sorry. And Jesus says, you know, blessed are they who believe without seeing. But what Pascal's wager is this. Look, it's simple. Wager your, your chance to go to heaven or hell. If a Christian is wrong and there is no God, Best and worst case scenario are the same. You just, when we die, we go to sleep, annihilation, whatever it is. We just turn into maggot food. There's no soul, right? We're just eating up my maggots. The worst case scenario, I'm wrong, and we just sleep. 
the atheist, Pascal's wager. If if the atheist is right, all right, we're eaten up by maggots. If he's wrong, he's burning in hell forever. So do you want to have that excessive hubris and that pride to say, there is no God, there is no God, when Christ is pretty clear <laughs> in the Gospels who's going to heaven who's not? He doesn't say sinners can't go to heaven. Absolutely not. Because we're all sinners because of the fall of Adam. It's two things. Be baptized. He's very clear. People who are not baptized can't go to heaven. Be baptized. And then be repentant. The unrepentant sinner doesn't go to heaven. And the unbaptized don't either. So a Pascal's wager, if the atheist is wrong and he dies... He's going to be judged and devoured by demons. Is it really worth it to have that hubris to believe that? That's ultimately their choice. And as, as Christ says, when he sends out the uh, the 100, he says, preach, my, preach in my name, but if, if you knock on the door and they don't listen, you brush the dust off your sandals and you move on. But as Christians, the Great Commission, when Christ ascends into heaven, he says, Baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and tell the world about me. So our job, my job as a Christian, your job if you're a Christian right now, is to, of course, tell people in your life about Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ makes your life better and all these things. Okay, that's our job. When we die, we will be judged for not doing that more. So tell people about it, certainly agnostic atheists, but if they choose not to hear the message, Christ is very clear too there. They make the choice, right? We're all born with free will. We have free will. He didn't make us automatons and robots. We have free will. So we have the free will to choose to follow him the best we can. We are sinners, but we try, and we try, and we try, and we pray, and we try, we do the best we can. We get comfort from prayer, comfort from going to church, third commandment. But we try, and we struggle, and we do the best that we can with, with the sins of this world. We're supposed to be in this world, not of this world. But if you turn your back on God, and have the absolute arrogance saying, there is no God, there is no God, screw God, or you blaspheme God. Please repent before you die. Because the Gospels are clear what's going to happen, and I don't want you to go to hell. But in closing, in closing, in closing, in closing, don't focus on necessarily judgment, because the, 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 left, the, the left will be like, see, you think the only reason to be Christian is out of fear. No. The happiness that comes from prayer is from prayer, not the kind of feeling that I'm never going to heaven. That, see, that's, that, that's a Protestant view. Once saved, always saved. I don't believe in that. Traditional Orthodox Catholic Church, the, the church has been around since the beginning, since St. Peter. We don't believe that. It's faith and works. And you can see that in James. Book of James says that. Faith without works is dead. And there's certainly tons of examples in the gospel. How do, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? The rich man, right? He doesn't say, oh, just believe in me. He says, you have to do this, 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 this. Or that when he separates the uh, the people going to heaven and the people going to hell. It's like, why are we going to hell? Well, because you didn't feed the poor, comfort the sick. Da, da, da. Those are works. Those are works. But either way, this isn't Protestant versus Catholic. This is about men turn to prayer. Even if it's a very rudimentary prayer, just just talk to God and just ask for strength, ask for help, ask for perspective. And I think it'll help your life. And it'll give you ethics. And I think it'll give you some sort of happiness more than if you have it right now. And again, it's like vitamin C. Prayer doesn't hurt and it can only help. So do it.
Guys, the website's a naturopathic earth. Go check out all their articles that we have there. If you want to help us out, there's a PayPal link in the episode notes. Click on that and donate what you can. Also, we're Amazon affiliates, so go to naturopathicearth.com. There's a link in the episode notes and go over to the articles and then click on one of the recipes. We have about 200 there. And then click on the link to Amazon. And then whatever you buy on Amazon within 24 hours, we get a 2% commission at no expense to you. Buy my books, Confessions of an Obese Child and Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior. They're on Amazon, paperback or Kindle. If you need some one-on-one coaching from the Red Pill Perspective, contact me through the Clarity FM link. And as always, please subscribe to The Awakened Man and post an honest review. The reviews help because um, when you search in whatever topic, men's health or Red Pill or MGTOW, the more reviews I have, I'm more likely to pop up up front. Therefore, more new people can find the channel and be helped by it. And I don't make any money from this podcast. You would know if you heard ads on it. Clearly, you don't hear ads on it. So I do this because I I like doing it, but I also do it because I feel it's like a a service. And so if you want to help me for the service that I'm rendering to you, please consider donating in one of those ways. Eric, at least post a review. Also, go post a review for Confessions of an Obese Child and the Essential Oils and Holistic Health. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Music attributed to Nine Inch Nails.